The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. So here we are in Shiawassee. And I just, I went from Washington to Chi-Town, and then maybe I gotta go to Adrian later. Let me just explain a few things. And I'm always skeptical when I come into the Shiawassee jail, because there's often a lot of inmates that bitch and whine about things. Let me help you out with this, guys. I'm thinking of one particular idiot who I didn't retain. I didn't want to deal with him. The Washington Jail is like the plaza. Okay, you got your basketball court, you got this, you got that. The girl you really like, you take her to the Washington Jail, if jails were hotels, and say, hey, this is the premier spot. Shiawas is like the Holiday Inn. No room service, but they got TV. That's are okay. Wayne County? Detroit? Well, that's where... Those poor idiots that are like 35-year-old corner boys, never moved up in the drug trade, take their girlfriends for one-hour hotel things. Reminds me of West Atlantic City. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. All right, guys, it looks like we are live. Hang on one sec. Make sure the volume's up do my stupid intro and we'll get this thing moving cool all right live audience is here too how's it going live audience been quiet lately i am bill amadeo from mcmass amadeo and great world associates formerly the shiawassee six i don't know what happened there but that's a total story for another time anyway we are here to discuss Jim Harbaugh and the Big Ten. I got a bunch of texts last night. People asked me to discuss this matter. What up, Amber? And I will um, bring it up. So, what's a word we use to describe the Big Ten's decision? How about bullshit? Let's just call it out right now. We're literally going to suspend a coach with no evidence, no proof. And they're doing it during the three biggest games of Michigan's season when Michigan's going for a national title. I agree, Amber, it is absolute bullshit. Why? Why is the Big Ten doing this? Well, let's discuss a few things here. Let's discuss, number one, a theory why they're doing it. Let's discuss the hypocrisy of the Big Ten throughout the years. And let's break it down. Number one, let's just be real. Jim Harbaugh has become bigger than the Big Ten. Am I wrong? I mean, exactly, Mike, where is the due process? He's become bigger than the Big Ten. And let me tell you something. In the SEC, they would have never done this to Nick Saban. Never in a million years. During the heyday of USC, can you imagine Pete Carroll getting three-game suspension for shit like this? Let's think about this, though. The accusation, which, by the way, has no proof against Harbaugh. The accusation is he stole signs. Now, let me explain something. As a former player, and by the way, I sucked. Let's just get that out there. Everybody knows I was the short white guy that had a decent amount of speed that run really brilliant routes across the middle and wasn't scared to take a hit. I was about as important as a tackling dummy. However... I was smart enough to run these routes. But I'm going to tell you, even at that bullshit level, stealing signs was part of the game. And if you have your signs stolen, I don't know. I question your IQ. I heard Matt Rule, the Nebraska coach, say that he felt it was an unfair thing because Michigan beat us because he believes they stole the signs. Hey, Matt, you lost 45-7. to Stop. Shut up. Move on. Frustrating, right? Go Wikipedia, the Big Ten. It says in 2024, the Big Ten will have 18 teams. Let's just start with that for a minute. So, the Big Ten used to be based on geography. It was hardcore Midwest guys playing football. Now it's about economics. The Pac-12 is losing the following teams to the Big Ten. University of Washington, USC, 
Oregon, UCLA. So what the Big Ten did with their expansion is they've done moves that would make a carpet bag or blush in 1930. Somebody's going to get that joke. Somebody will, but okay. Reality is this. They were poaching the best teams for economic reasons. That help? Okay. Now, when they poach these teams, there's no way they followed conventional rules. They have literally been the most hypocrite. It's hypocrisy across the board. We're going to take teams from other conferences. We're going to piss away geography. We're going to expand to 18 teams. And then, by the way, if one coach becomes bigger than the goddamn system, we're going to try to cut him off at his knees before the biggest games of the season. That's where we're at. That's bullshit. If we look at the history of the Big Ten, we can remember, now I'm going old school for you historians out there, Woody Hayes punching a player during a bowl game. Jerry Sandusky and the whole CSC allegations at Penn State. DJ Durkin and the player dying at University of Maryland. The Hazy instance at Michigan State. Things have been brushed under the carpet after due process was found. Here, this poor bastard, and it's weird me saying poor bastard about Jim Harbaugh, because I'm not a Jim Harbaugh fan. Let me be clear on that. I'm not a Michigan fan. I told a friend of mine, when Michigan plays Rutgers, my dream was that both teams could lose somehow. Okay? Rutgers rejected me from law school multiple times. Michigan, I'm still pissed about the Bobby Reyes thing, but that's not the point here today. The point is, I am going to root blue the rest of the year and bet blue because I'm so goddamn pissed off. You guys are galvanizing people to be empathetic to one of the most lucrative institutions in the country because you try to cut them off at his knees without any due process. What's next? Are prosecutors going to start prosecuting people with no evidence? Are we going to disregard polygraphs? Jesus, I mean, I'm terrified what could happen next. Somebody's going to get that, right? Good. Anyway, end by saying this, because it's game day, you don't need to hear me rant all day. This is bullshit what happened with Harbaugh. He was, no proof's been provided, no evidence has been displayed. And the Big Ten is trying to get him out of Michigan because they want the spotlight back on them. What this is the equivalent of is a jealous high school kid ratting the teacher with no evidence and the teacher being dumb enough to send the kid to the principal's office without ever knowing what happened. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Hey, I'll tell you. And I should have told you about this this morning. What the hell is it with me and garage sales? I gotta stop, right? And look, I'll be the first to admit. The card obsession that McManus and Amadeo has gotten out of control. Some of you guys know me, and you know it's a pretty cool story how I sold all my baseball cards to buy my aunt and mom the first house, put down payment on the house, and trying to relive that lately, we've gotten into the whole card collecting thing. But I mean, it's out of control now. You know, it's just, it's nuts. I mean, you know you have a problem when it's 12.30 at night and you're texting Matt, hey, I got a lead on that Cal Ripken PSA 9 from 82 Flair. I don't know. Today was no different. You guys know the famous Shiawassee garage sale story. This was not anywhere near as bad, but still a fail. I saw Aaron Abera make a little comment there about another garage sale. At least Aaron didn't mock me for not finding food like she did in Charlevoix, but thank you, Aaron. Um... Yes, garage sales are not the move, clearly. This guy had some cards, and he wanted full market value plus. So I appreciate that, but I can get that on the baseball card exchange, right? And the fact that I know there's other places to buy these cards means I do have a problem. It's out of control. It's completely out of control. And be careful on eBay when you're buying cards. Last night, I found an 85 Topps wax box for 85 bucks let me tell you something you get an 85 tops wax box for 85 bucks you buy that you don't think twice about it right 
read the fine print. It was just the box, not the packs of cards. Reminds me of this guy I grew up with. I wanted to buy an 84 Donruss Don Mattingly once, right? And the card's value was $60. And he said, well, I should give him $200 because Mattingly's going to have a good year. It's going to go up in value. That's like saying my stocks go up in value, so pay me 10 times the amount. I don't know. The whole baseball card thing. Let me stop. They're convinced I'm crazy already. Today we're going to talk about Scott Grable and the smart-ass commentary that came up the other day. Um, I'm going to just dis explain my disgust with Popeye the Sailor Man. Uh, we'll get into that. And um, a day in Detroit. <laughs> I probably do need to go to Baseball Cards Anonymous. You know, I'm... I'll tell you this, though, Joe. I found some information. Uh, Alright, let me let me just get to the stop. Let me stop. Because I gotta remember, I see Joe Abair there and I get comfortable and I start talking, but, you know, Joe, there's some things you and I should talk about not on Facebook Live, right? It's just... Man, there's a lot of things about me and I appreciate not burying me, but with that being said, we don't need to expose all my crazy on Facebook Live today. We can text about that. So I'm gonna... Shut up now and move on to the story. Anyway, before Kremlin started, I was tutoring a lot. And tutoring, I don't know. I got out of law school in 2008, and I went to Jersey, and I passed the bar, and I'm working with this firm, and the firm screwed me and a bunch of associates over. I come back to Lansing, and the economy sucks. And Cooley would not give me a job for $15 an hour. Don't forget that. I mean, there, there's some anger at Cooley Law School. I can get into that. That's another time. But I start this tutoring company. And I got really good at the tutoring thing. The problem with the tutoring issue was it was guaranteed money when the students weren't screwing you over, stiffed. But um, it was guaranteed money, and I was supporting Antmare. So you're in this catch-22, the economy sucked, and usually as a lawyer, unless you have family connections, or you move into a plush firm right away, there's like this 18-month window, I would say, where it's going to be rough. And I endured that 18-month window. But I couldn't do that when Aunt Mary was alive. I was paying her house and everything for those 18 months when Hurricane Sandy hit, so I started tutoring like a madman. It was guaranteed money. You didn't have your 18-month window there. And one of the places I tutored was Boji Tower. Boji Tower is in Lansing, right? And Scott Grable has a nice office in Boji Tower. And I used to pay Scott rent to tutor in his office. And, um, you know, the tutoring time, you ever watched the five-year engagement? I look at it like that was my five-year engagement time period, right? Here's what I mean. I had a beard, I had flannel shirts, I was not in shape, I'm drinking two monsters a day, and I am tutoring like a madman. And Scott Grable the other day says to me, hey, we gotta get the misdemeanor trial fee from this client. And I said, how much is the trial fee? And he goes, 1500 1000 for you, 500 for me. And I said, woohoo! thousand dollars that might get me a box of 83 tops baseball lol and scott was hurt there's a few things that bother scott about that statement one i know more about the baseball card industry than him now which is sad on my end two that i papooed a thousand dollars for one day at work and scott grable replied you ungrateful bastard if it wasn't for me, you'd be tutoring students in my office wearing a flannel shirt. And he's right! Because I was tutoring students in a flannel shirt in the office. What happened, guys? And this is a good story. You've heard this one before. I would be tutoring, right? And Winnie Rich, I love Winnie. Winnie's like a big sister. Winnie Rich is one of Scott Grable's case managers. And Winnie would see me in this office tutoring. She'd see me there 6 o'clock in the morning. She'd see me there 10 o'clock at night. And she says to Scott Grable, holy shit, 
we got to put this guy on criminal law cases. At the time, I don't know criminal law. And Winnie said, you are the hardest work I ever saw. You'll learn it. You'll make a lot of money. You'll be highly successful. I don't know crim. So Scott Grable, who was like a big brother, arguably my closest friend, he sees me there with the flannel shirt, unkempt, sucking on a monster, putting in 18-hour days, doing multiple choice with students, and Scott Grable said, listen to Winnie, we got to put Bill Amadeo on criminal law. And the rest is kind of history. So, Scott Grable, I'm sorry I mocked the $1,000 misdemeanor trial fee. And I'm sorry I equate it to a box of 1983 Tops baseball. But I am eternally grateful to you. You changed my career, you changed my life. And I may be back tutoring in your office with a flannel shirt on if Winnie Rich didn't see my work ethic. So, I didn't mean to mock you. I'm sorry. You know, as arrogant as Scott is, he's highly sensitive. You gotta be careful with that, man. And you just gotta watch it. He's he's a gentle, he's a delicate flower. That's what you are, Scott. Scott Grable is a delicate flower. I hope... <laughs> hope he's listening to that. And... Thank you for the opportunity. You're my boy. I was watching Popeye the other night. <laughs> I don't get it. You ever watch... There's this new channel, Tubi or whatever, and it's on... Um, Tubi is on your apps. You got your Amazon Prime, your Netflix, this and that. So, I'm up late working. Oh, shit, Popeye. I love Popeye the Sailor Man as a kid. You know, and you're watching this show now in your mid-40s. And I hate doing this sometimes. You ever going back to watch a show you liked as a kid and now as an adult you're saying stuff, what the hell's going on here? I had this issue with Inspector Gadget. Inspector Gadget's a moron, right? Penny and Brain saved the day and he's this renowned investigator. There's so many crim lol jokes to make right there. I'm going to stop. I'm watching Popeye the Sailor Man. And Popeye and Brutus, also known as Bluto, are constantly fighting over olive oil. And I gotta tell you, I'm sorry. I was never physically attracted to olive oil. I don't get it. And not that Popeye and Bluto are looking guys, but I mean, these two are going to war over her. I mean, Bluto's beating Popeye's ass, then he sucks down his spinach, his arms get really juiced up, he beats the hell out of Bluto, he gets the girl. And you got these wimpies there. And wimpy, like, what's the point of wimpy? I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. I gotta tell you something. Wimpy clearly grew up in South Jersey. Because what they're gonna do in South Jersey is they'll take your money for the burger. And then when you become successful, they'll say you don't need that money back. So thank you for the burger. Kiss my ass. Not that I'm taking it personal or anything, but it kind of hit home. Wimpy, Popeye, Olive Oil, Bruce. I don't get it. The whole point of Popeye the Sailor Man was this weird-looking guy. He eats his spinach. He fights the guy that's bigger than him to get the girl. And the girl is Olive Oil. I don't know. Just kind of soured me. You're fighting over olive oil? And you can't beat him if you don't eat your spinach. Which makes it really question what was in the spinach in the first place. But... Okay. Let's move on to a day in Detroit. <sighs> Something about Detroit just always feels like home. I get that. And I had quite a day in Detroit, right? I had to go to Lincoln Hall. That's where juvenile cases are. I hit 36th District, that's a district court, hit Frank Murphy. And Detroit is always a different animal. And there's some amazing judges, amazing lawyers in Detroit, but let me just say this. It's a different mindset in Detroit. Detroit is like the Wild West. The way you behave in Detroit 
would never be acceptable in Lenaway or Shiawassee. Every county has its own different concept, right? A different language everywhere you go. The thing I love about Detroit is I could be Jersey Bill and it's just, it's cool. Now the local lawyers get pissed off because you're coming and taking work from them. Like you're invading the territories or something like Vince McMahon in the 80s. Wrestling jokes, somebody will get that. But it's just, it's a relaxed atmosphere. I've had my capital cases out there, one of my first big trial out there. I love Detroit. What sucks about Detroit, and yes, Josh Champlain, I do want to do a lot when you get your baseball cards. What sucks about Detroit is every time I go to the D, like clockwork, and this is just life, you know? Life is painful. And people you connect with, those ultra experiences, when they leave you, it's easy to be better. This is from the speed from the heart thing now that Mike Picotney always talks about. When I go to Detroit, the first thing I do, I look for Danielle Cateret. I look for Red. I forget she's gone. And I'm going to tell you guys something. And you may not know this about Danielle, but let me educate you on Danielle. Danielle did not make monster money. Danielle did not have a top 10 website. Danielle was not known by everybody outside of Detroit. She was a Wayne County girl through and through. But Danielle Cateret, in my opinion, was the best trial lawyer I've ever had the privilege of watching and learning from. And you didn't know it. You know, you didn't know it outside of Wayne County. Because I wish Danielle had more confidence in herself. Because the Danielle Cateret at Frank Murphy Hall of Justice was not the same Danielle Cateret in you know, Monroe County. We worked a couple cases out there. She was talented, but behind the scenes of other county. In Detroit, Danielle felt at home. And you know, in this field, we do things differently. We just do. My reputation has always been one of a higher level than Danielle. I don't want to call bullshit on that thing and tell you Danielle Cattery was a better lawyer than me. There's no question about it. The reason you may not know the name Danielle Cateret is because she never wanted to really be in the spotlight. As opposed to some of us that have attention needs and our attention horrors. I'm a great violator of that. But Danielle, man. Fiery red hair, flipping it in your face, telling you she knew this case for anybody else. Danielle Cateret was a cut above. And God damn do I miss Danielle every day. But when I'm in Detroit, it hits hard. When I'm in Detroit, I find myself going to my phone and texting Danny. And you realize after a minute, oh shit. She's not going to reply because she's gone. Such a special lawyer. And Frank Murphy has always been the Yankee Stadium of criminal defense. And she was such a huge part of that. So after you compose yourself and you're texting Danielle and realizing she can't respond, unfortunately, you um you head in the court. I left Lincoln Hall, I left 36th District, and we had this idea. To save money on parkings, I don't, you know, money's not a big thing, but hey, Detroit parking's a pain in the ass. So I park at Greektown Casino. Now, many times at Greektown, parking's free. Not today. As I pull in, the gate's up, but this woman comes running after me. Screaming, I have to pay $10. Okay, I'll pay the $10. 
So you drive up through Greek Town, and there is this kind of weird dynamic of the parking, right? You gotta make sure you don't get hit. And you go park like the seventh floor in the public area, and you walk out, and you see this breakup in action. This guy and girl at 9.15 in the morning are having this screaming match. And here's this guy. He's got a torn shirt. And he's blowing his nose in his hand, driving a Cadillac. And he says to her, girl, you're never going to do better than me. And she screams, I know, I know, take me back. And I'm just watching this, right? And I don't know, just really weird. And they're staring at you. Oh, what are you looking at us? How could I not? So after you leave the relationship drama... You take, go downstairs, and you go to your case. Now, my case was before one particular judge. And this is just a day at the Murph, right? My case is before one particular judge, but that judge changed his docket with another judge. So you move from your judge's courtroom to the other judge's courtroom. And then when you get to the other judge's courtroom, you find out the judge that you got reassigned to the case has now retired. So then you go down to the basement to see who's replacing the retired judge. Okay. You go down there, and you're told now that your 9.30 will not go off till 10.30. And you explain to the clerk, I have another case I gotta handle at 10.30 on Zoom. And they tell you that's your problem. This is Detroit, guys. So you're double fisting. And I got this time to kill, and I'm calling clients, I'm texting, I'm trying to call the other court, I'm supposed to Zoom, and blah, blah, blah. And I go down in the basement, G, floor G. And you're down there, and I'm thinking back to Pete Winter. My earliest days with Pete Winter where we were going to Detroit together. And one day, Pete Winter sees this lawyer in the basement, right? And I, I care for Pete Winter, but Pete Winter had a way of belittling you for no reason at all. And this one day, he's belittling me. He's like, ah, oh, look at that lawyer. It was an older lawyer. He's going right in the back to get the discovery and talk to the prosecutor. You're not shit, Bill. Totally on that lawyer's level. And I'm sitting there like, whoa. Now, Pete's my mentor at the time. And I'm like, wow, he's right. That older lawyer's down in the basement. And he's sitting there, and he's walking right in the back. I want to be that guy one day. Dare to dream. Two weeks later, I'm back in Detroit. And I'm talking to the prosecutor on my case. And she says to me, hey, meet me down in the basement to pick up your discovery. So... We learned, despite Pete Winter's infinite wisdom, that it wasn't because this lawyer was such so great an experience. It's just where you pick up discovery in Wayne County. So I think back and I laugh about that. Other things were happening that day in Detroit. There's a water fountain. And there's a sign on the water fountain. And it says, stop using, it does not work. Now, right there, you got to think to yourself. They're telling you not to use the water fountain because it doesn't work. And I'll be damned if I didn't see three lawyers hitting the side of that water fountain trying to get it to work. And I'm staring at these guys. Like this blank look on my face with my mouth's open. And the one lawyer looks at me and goes, what? I'm thirsty. I said, it says the fountain doesn't work. What are you doing? And he kept saying how he was thirsty. Okay. Then you walk around in the basement. And there's this bench. And the sign on the bench says, Jurors only can sit here. Do not sit here unless you're a juror. And I see four lawyers sitting there. On the bench. Which you're allowed to sit on. Then you look right across, and there's a DNA office. 
and it says DNA not available till 2.30. It is now 9.45. And you're rushed with these emotions. You know, I'm in Detroit. It was a great day, right? I mean, amazing result for the client. I always love being in Detroit. It's something special. But I got to think to myself, I get chased by a parking attendant. I'm reminiscing about Pete Winter telling me I didn't know about where to pick up Discovery. I'm watching lawyers try to force water out of dead water fountains. I'm seeing lawyers disregard signs. Thankfully, my client didn't need any DNA testing that day. And I can't help thinking of Danielle Cabaret. It was a day in the D. And when you left Detroit that day, you headed back to Washington. It's almost like you morph into a different personality. There is something so refreshing and calming about the most chaotic court in the state. I'm always biased to Shiawassee. I love Shiawassee. I feel like a Shiawassee person. I really do. Shiawassee is my favorite county for so many reasons. And Washington's home. But Wayne County is just special. Wayne County is where men can be men. You can just let it rip. It doesn't matter if the lawyer's wearing $1,000 shoes or they're wearing sneakers. You could fight. You could be free. And you learn when you leave that freedom, you morph into a different personality. Something about Detroit. I will tell you, nobody was the more quintessential Detroit lawyer than Danielle Cataray. So, didn't mean to make this an emotional thing. You know, we were bitching about baseball cards and joking about Scott Grable and I was yapping about pot pie, but it really did hit me, man. You don't know her name, but you should. And unfortunately, you won't be seeing any new trials with Danielle because she passed away way too young. But there was never a better trial lawyer than Danielle Cattery. And Danny, if you're watching this, thank you for everything you taught so many of us. You are dearly missed, my friend. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. We're going to talk about clicks throughout the years. I am dragging ass. Did you ever, like, had so many cases when you just lose it? You completely lost it. Oh, my glass were off, so I look intelligent. Sorry. Anyway, better? There's a football. So you have these cases after case after case, and you are just dragging ass. And you hit the wall. And you have to do more content. Because Josh Strickland and Shiawassee Radio needs more content. The live audience needs to be entertained. Never stops, right? Alright. So tonight, we're going to talk about clicks. socialization of cliques throughout the years from my youth at St. James to the courtroom amazing people studying we'll talk about that we're going to talk about Screech Dustin Diamond may he rest in peace we're going to discuss a recent article that Josh Champlain wrote about what Tom Menke said to Emily Olsen so I was exhausted the other night, and what I do, guys, I'm laying in bed, and I start researching on my phone. As I'm researching on my phone, we're sitting there, and I can't stop thinking of case after case after case. You know what my mind does, what's messed up? Let me tell you, because my audience wants to know. I'll be on this one case. And I'll be saying, okay, I got this, I got this, and then I relax for a minute. Then I'll drink water, and I'll move on to another case. And it's like the brain doesn't shut down. It's exact, it is exhausting, man. Sometimes I wish I was normal. But, as we'll learn, like the guy Matt talked about the varsity jacket, 
Sometimes being normal sucks. Let's talk about Dustin Diamond. Let's talk about Screech. Who remembers Say by the Bell when they were a kid? <laughs> we all watched Say by the Bell, right? Did we ever really enjoy Say by the Bell? But it went in the syndication, and we were we would watch it after school or whatever, and it would come on, and you know you had your six main characters. There was Zach, the California blonde kid. There's Slater, the athlete. There's Kelly, the homecoming queen. There's Jesse, the dancer, tall girl. There's Lisa Turtle. And then there's poor Screech. So you have two good-looking guys, three good-looking girls, and this poor outcast. And Screech was younger than them. So he was behind them in school. And poor Screech, he was made to be the geek of this cast. And as these actors went on to other things, Screech stayed on Say by the Bell. He was on Say by the Bell the college years. For so many years. What's that? The new, class. the new class he was on. I mean, this poor bastard, he never left the character. And then when he left, finally, when Saved by the Bell was all over, what did he do? He made porn. You know, and the joke earlier was, there were many people from our childhood who wanted to see naked, but Screech wasn't one of them. Poor Screech. And he made this porn, and then he was on Celebrity Fit Club, and then he started doing stand-up comedy. And it was a disaster. And here's the thing about Dustin Diamond. Dustin Diamond was a talented guy. Screech never got to evolve beyond what Screech was. And this poor guy dies at 44. He's in bad shape financially. He did this whole scheme to save his house when his mortgage got foreclosed on. I mean, this guy had a shit life, actually. You know, like they talk about you were the star in high school or you were that great child actor that got laid and all this other stuff. This poor guy was a, he was a walking punchline. Because everybody wanted to be Zack or Slater. Nobody wanted to be Screech. But in reality, let's be real. Screech was the one most people could relate to. I always said this, and I, I followed Dustin Diamond carefully. So I always liked him. I always felt bad for him. And I always felt like, here's this talent that gets overlooked. And all he wanted to do when all those dudes saved by the bells was just get a steady paycheck. That's it. He wanted to get paid. Ended up doing some jail time for the incident in Christmas with his girlfriend when he pulled a knife on somebody to attack them. His lawyer must have not been great. There was a self-defense claim, but, I mean, we know certain counties that won't work. Wow. <laughs> Screech is not a prosecutor. He's dead. Yeah, anyway. This poor bastard, dude. And we're sitting here looking at him, right? And it's like... I always said there's these three categories. There's the sex appeal, right? And we all strive to be in that sex appeal. So we want to be good looking. Want to be beloved. Blah, blah, blah. Then there's the brains. These are the people that, you know, they may not have the sex appeal of, like, the bodybuilder types, but... They turn people on with their intellect. And then there's just the work ethic guy. The work ethic guy, he's the one who just wants to bust his ass and put in so many hours and work hard. And uh, he longs to be in the brains because he thinks the brains are where it's at. And the brains think the looks are where it's at. And here what's always been different about me. I chose... To be in that work ethic group. I could easily hang in the other two. But I chose to be in that group. To kind of piss off the other two groups. But the goal was. When in that group right. I wanted to. Bring the people in the group at me. To stick it up the ass of the other two groups. Like hey guys. Let's go do this shit. But the problem was. Your self esteem with most of them in that group. Was shit. You know. 
They thought this is where we belonged. And you know why they thought that way? Because the god clicks. Somebody wrote this script. You belong here, and you belong here, and you belong here. It's all bullshit. I mean, it takes strong, a really strong mental outlook to say, I don't need to be in this caste system. And the sad part about Dustin Diamond, he got put in this caste system for life. When Saved by the Bell was over, he didn't go on to bigger things. He was typecast as Screech. He wasn't hooking up with hot girls in Hollywood and living off investments he made. He was broke and making these weird porns. And he always probably longed to be Zack or Slater. Now, the reality is this. Zack is like the wealthy kid that never had a hard day in his life. So one day, Zach's going to end up like in a drug rehab or something in the real world. Because part of the day is going to be what happens to these clicks after. Slater is going to be the guy wearing his varsity leather jacket around the neighborhood when he's 40. Screech could have been the one that was like this amazing writer and talent and worked out and cultivated his looks and did all that. But he didn't. He fell into that typecast. And he lived a sad, sad life. He dies at 44. When they did reunions for Saved by the Bell, even though he was the one that was in it the entire time, he wasn't invited to be in it. He didn't get to be in People Magazine. He didn't get to go on Letterman. I mean, this poor guy, not only was he an outcast portrayed on the show, he became an outcast later in life. And I wish I was friends with Screech. Because the Screech of the world, I'd be like, you know what, dude? Hey, come on, I got you. Let's go kick some ass. Let's stick it up their ass. You know? Why don't we do this as a team? And here's this poor bastard. And if you watch the dark side of comedy, if you watch it, the Dustin Diamond dark side of comedy, study it. They did a hell of a job on it. But they break things down really well. I mean, it it's exposing what clicks are. It made me think. Clicks throughout the years. So since people are so interested in my life, and when I talk shit about people, and I don't think I talk shit, I think I just speak the truth, right? Yeah. That's frustrating to people. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about clicks throughout the years. And this is an homage to our friend Dustin Diamond. May he rest in peace. But Dustin, I want you to know, there are some kids out there you influenced and you did make a difference in this world. At St. James in Grammar School, that was an interesting place. It was really unique in the fact of you start learning socialization in grammar school, right? That's where it all starts. And we start this theory of who is the it crowd, who's going to be the ones, you know, and there were the rich kids. What we learned about the rich kids, these were the Zacks, right? What we learned about them was they really didn't have the money they professed. Mommy, daddy, like three mortgages, but they had to get a $200 haircut to feel good about themselves. They would end up with a lot of narcotics. Drugs was their thing. Then you had this clique where religion was actually a cool thing. Imagine this now, right? The father Sullivan's of the world, who, by the way, ends up going down for child molestation years later. But he was the dominant force at St. James. And this is where the altar boys were like, you're an altar boy. You're something special. I wasn't old when I wasn't in that special clique because I was in clique three, the outsiders. And the outsiders were the ones that took the bus from Atlantic City to go deal with the bullshit at St. James. And at St. James, it was about wealth, religion, and that miscellaneous group. And the ones that have really evolved into something that people like to study on Google, we were the ones in that miscellaneous group. 
but when you think of the, you know, the Zack, the Slater, and the Screech thing, from perspectives, I was clearly Screech in that miscellaneous group. You know what always pissed me about Saved by the Bell, too? So, Zack got Kelly. Slater got Jesse. Lisa dated different guys. Who did Screech get? Why did they have, like, the hot academic girl who was really intrigued by Screech? Like, the one, you know, she's got the glasses, the turtleneck on, and she's just as hot as Kelly, but she doesn't know she's hot. Violet. Violet. Yeah, that, that, that didn't count. It was temporary. Okay. They didn't make her a regular character. Okay. Why weren't they having Screech socialize the way the other ones were? AC High, things were different because now we learned that cliques were going to be isolated based upon geography. Because geography became socioeconomics. Who were the wealthy kids? Who were the poor kids? Where did the black kids fit? Where did the Spanish kids fit? Where did the Jewish kids fit? When I hear AC High is a melting pot, that is so goddamn comical. Back then, I mean, yeah, there were people from different cities, but the classes were pretty segregated. So, Margate, you had these assholes that had wealth, you know, and they always had their classes together, and they hooked up with each other, and they had their little cliques. They rode on the crew team, and they smoked pot, and it was funny. When they got caught smoking pot, it was like, oh, that's Timmy just sowing his wild oats. But when the Atlantic City kid got caught with pot, they were going to Harbor Fields for juvenile detention. The Margate kids, if you ever need a good laugh, check out some of them on Facebook today. It's really, man, I hope those four years stick with you guys because most of you don't have to fall back on. The Ventner kids, they tried to wear designer clothing, but they weren't as wealthy as the Margate kids. You know, so they were like Margate wannabes, if you would. They would hook up and screw each other to better Margate kids, but we are the down shore kids. And then there was the Atlantic City kids. Let me help you out with that one, because this is where we lived. AC. The only thing that's fun as being white and growing up in Atlantic City in the 90s would be a root canal. It was not a good time. Because in the city, there was his own set of cliques. There were the gangbangers that were hooking up with underage girls. There were the young drug dealers or runners that were offsprings of the gangbangers. There were the athletes. Um, and there was everybody else. The casino workers and the nobodies. My family were casino workers. So in a C... What started to happen in the 90s was the Margate girls and the Ventnor girls would come to AC to screw the black and Spanish guys in the hood. And this was a very interesting thing for me at the time because I can't even afford to take a bus to Margate and now the girls you like are screwing the guys in the hood and you're not cool enough because you're a white kid there so you were inferior to the black kids and the wealthy kids. Which made for an interesting dynamic. And the Brigantine kids, they kind of had their own thing. Brigantine was not as wealthy as Ventnor or Margate. They kind of stuck to themselves. I guess white trash would be the way to call Brigantine, but they, like, embraced white trash. And, you know, so many of the high school kids brag about things they accomplished. Why was it, and we were told about this before the video started, I'm back home in 2020. And why I made a trip back home is bizarre. Like, of all the places to go, I went to Atlantic City. It's like saying, I really want to get away from the cold in winter of Michigan, so let's go to the North Pole. What? No. Let's not go to Iceland if we want warm weather. But I go back to AC, right? And I'm at a gas station. And in Atlantic City, the gas station, as you may know, you can't pump your own gas. It's a misdemeanor in Jersey to pump your own gas. Can't do it. So I'm getting my gas. There's this guy I went to high school with. 
He's pumping my gas. And I never liked him. He never liked me. And he's sitting there, pumping the gas, wearing his varsity leather jacket. And it was weird because as this guy's pumping my gas, he says to me, oh, I heard about you, what you're doing out in Michigan, blah, blah, blah. He goes, but you never made varsity, did you? It's like, holy sh**, dude. That is sustaining this poor bastard. So if there's one thing I'm against Facebook, and Facebook's made us money, guys, attention, thank you, social media, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you get charged at murder and you want a hardworking, crazy person, you know they freaking call me, right? Let's be real. If your life was on the line, who would you call as your defense lawyer? You. Exactly. Yeah, I, thank you. I mean, I'll tell you, back in Jersey, holy shit, if you played varsity football in the mid-90s, that still carries more weight than winning a murder case. Shocking. Dude was still wearing his varsity letter jacket. It's because this bullshit click stuff where he still, he'll get laid still by going there. The other idiot. There weren't many white kids in my neighborhood, right? We were few and far in between. But the white ones that were there, oh yeah, they were Italian. <laughs> we were, you know. <laughs> the few Italians that were left, I still see this one kid on Facebook with this giant Italian flag waving it around as if he just won the World Cup or something. And I'm like, dude, at some point, went wrong, right? Not for him. I'll tell you what, not for him. He's he don't have to, he's not prepping for a trial on Saturday night. He's hanging out with girls from high school. They're in their forties, waving the Italian flag, smoking weed, drinking beer, having the time of their life. My God, freaking Carl Smolin. That guy does counselor it. Told me I was ever going to make anything in my life. So I ended up like getting hold of his education, sticking up his ass. If he would have just shut the hell up, I probably would have been a sports writer, bartending on the weekends, having a nice life in Jersey. I wouldn't have had those things. Every bit of success been because some ass told me I couldn't do it. They would have just said, hey, go be a writer. Yeah. Maybe a lot more people in prison. But, you know. Aye, aye, aye. So in the ACC... That was community college. Whole different ball of wax now. At ACC, you had the failed athlete who wasn't good enough to play at Division One, Two, or Three, but he was still living off his high school fame. Then you had the casino workers, and I worked in the casino. That was a whole different animal, man. People were going to frat parties. Other people were going to casino parties. I was going to no parties at the time. I'm going to tell you, the casino workers going to community college, they were bitter because they had to get up early to go to school. They party with themselves. And then there were the college dropouts. No, they wouldn't let them study on the job. I once took a bid working Kitchen Service South at Tropicana, which was the bullshit shift, midnight to eight, just so I could study and get paid for the family. What's going on? The dropouts. These were the kids that went to Rutgers and Seton Hall and failed after their first term. And they come back and they're telling these stories. Oh, you should have seen the frat parties at Rutgers. Well, you went to too many, obviously. Because you got kicked the hell out. <laughs> and for some of them, it was the best three months of their life. Oh, my God. Stockton was different. Because now Stockton, you're at your four-year school, right? Now you had your D3 athletes that were good enough to play in college, but not going to do anything else. So they had the jersey chasers. And by the way, ladies out there, if you're going to chase a jersey and you're hanging out with guys at Division three schools, you are fishing in the wrong pool. Go to a D1 school if you want to marry an athlete. Good luck with that. I, I hear you. And then at Stock, there were the rockers. These were the guys that were actually in bands. Jeff Cornell was a great musician, by the way. 
they had a different outlook on things. Music was their first passion, and academics, they figured they had to do that, but they were actually a talented lot. They're not the intellectuals. I fell into this group somehow. I'd be the one at the all-night study sessions. Because I figured it's either this, or I'm hanging out with the Italian flag guy the rest of my life, right? Who, by the way, seems happier than us sometimes. I'm working on competency motions. What are you doing tonight? I'm drinking beer, watching a game. Ha <laughs> ha. Hey, and then the stoners. These were the ones that were in college forever. This was the 35-year-old guy taking one class and hanging in the computer lab. <laughs> and Mike, you didn't graduate yet? Well, one day. One day. What are you taking this term? I got a two-credit class in ballroom dancing. They all hung together. Hey. Tropicana is where shit got real. Because at Tropicana, man, whoa. I'm not in law school yet, and I'm pissed off about it. So I'm doing my union thing. We had the union groupies. These were females that looked up to guys in union politics. I swear to you, Atlantic City is the only place where a guy like Bob McDevitt could get laid. Think of your cocaine dealers. This was the guy that worked part-time as a liquor room attendant, was dealing coke to everybody. <laughs> then your part-timers. I think reality hit for me one day when I was at a union meeting. And this cocktail waitress, who I was cool with, I thought, came up to me. And she starts screaming at me, The breaker bartenders get eight hours for six hours of work, but yet we don't get six hours for three hours of work. And this is why we're screwed up, and I blame your ass for this. And she put her finger in my face and walked away. Now, let me explain something, because I respect organized labor. And I understand, in her world, she was cool. Where in life do we get to get paid eight hours without doing eight hours of work? My God. And finally, you make it to law school. Oh, this is where the geeks finally got to be cool, they thought, right? Now, first of all, if you went to Cooley, your LSAT sucked. Let's just start with that. Nobody, Cooley was not the first choice for anybody. I think like 86 schools turned me down. Waitlist. How many were waitlisted? We want you, sir, if Timmy doesn't take it. Timmy, who, you know, is... Working as a paralegal somewhere in Jersey right now. Um, yeah, you're wannabe intellectuals, right? These were the people on Law Review, and they used to get these awards at the banquets at the end of the term. Congratulations to Chris! Yeah, another book award. What you could do with a Cooley Book Award for five dollars, you could maybe get a Starbucks coffee and wipe your ass with it. Then there were the grinders. Here we go back to those three categories. These were the ones working till 2 o'clock in the morning, realizing if I don't master multiple choice, I'm going to be sitting for the bar. If I can't sit for the bar, I can't go to become a lawyer. Then you had your fail jocks. These were the kids whose families were like upper middle class. They played some ball. And like mommy and daddy were like, well, you know what? You failed everything else. Let's send you to Cooley. And then finally at the court. Court comes into two clicks. The winners and the losers. We know some losers. Um, I went to an event, and this is where things really hit me. I went to an event with somebody who used to work at our firm. It was a... I won't say what type of event it was, but it was an event... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about was an event dealing with a certain area of criminal law. And the guy I'm there with, who was an associate of our firm, he looked up to all these people. There's so-and-so, there's A, there's B, oh my God, they are the best of the best. This was 2016. 
And 2019, I saw some of those people there in Wayne County doing court-appointed reckless driving cases. And I thought to myself, holy sh**, this is all subjective, right? This is all friggin' subjective. I want to end on a thought. The it crowd, the cool ones, those groups. I kind of relate it to the Chinese buffet you went to in 1996. If you went to that Chinese buffet in 1996 and you didn't get a second helping, who cares? That's all I got for today, guys. Have a good one. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.